I was pretty much afraid of everything. Afraid of the world, afraid of speaking, you know, really, really shy kid. Music was a way to speak, as simple as that. Uh, I could either just journal, write poetry, write just whatever was in my head, and sit down, drum a few chords, and put that together, and that's me. That's me telling the world about me when I can't do it on my own. So music was the voice I didn't have. Dad's podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Sanford. And I'm your other host, Blake Talica. Thank you guys so much for joining us for MFF Monday's number two. Uh, we did want to clarify that we had originally said that we were only going to do these once a month, but we had such a good response with our first episode with Josh that we just, hey, I think we're going to go ahead and do this a couple more times a month. Uh, just kind of sprinkle them in because it's just too much fun to just talk about random stuff. Uh, with just anybody and uh, tonight we've got our good friend Dustin how's it going dude going well how are you boys doing good thanks for joining us uh, he is with the happy to see you uh, Met Club chapter the six horsemen from Toronto that's right well man just uh, we're just kind of kind of kick the, the kick things off with you telling us a little bit about yourself uh, how you got into Metallica Um. And we'll just go from there, man. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Um, I, I guess I got into the band. It wasn't uh, anything overly special when I was younger. And I mean, like, really, really younger, like, first grade, second grade. My, um, I had an older cousin who was into the band, and he got into them from an older cousin that we both have. And so I got my first Master of Puppets CD when, uh, you know, I was in, like, the second or the third grade, something like that. And, you know, I just listened the hell out of it. Um, and, uh, I didn't really have like a whole lot of awareness of the band. Like, I, you know, I had like mixtapes and different stuff that I, I would hear. Uh, you know, I saw the band when I was younger, uh, and I didn't really appreciate it now. And I shoot myself in the foot every time I think about it. Cause I didn't really appreciate the show for what it was. And the first couple of times that I had the opportunity to see them, it wasn't really until high school that it really took off. Uh, some guys I grew up with, uh, we used to have like a, a pretend jam, jam band, so, you know, like I wanted to be Lars Ulrich, you know, my buddy wanted to be Kirk Hammett, my buddy wanted to be James Hetfield. And we were just like, okay, we're going to start a band and that's who we're going to be. And then in high school, you know, we're like, why don't we actually start a band? So I, I picked up some drumsticks, you know, the guys learned to play guitar and we, we started off as like a Metallica cover band and it kind of turned into kind of its own original thrash thing. And that's kind of where the, that got, that got started for me. That's awesome. i do you play with, uh, have you messed around with uh, Lars's signature sticks at all? I have, actually. Um, and a lot of people are probably going to hate me for this. I actually prefer Tommy Lee's signature sticks. They're made by the same company, but I just, I find, uh, like, for for my particular hands, they feel a little bit better. But yes, I have used them. I do like them. His, is, the uh, head stick brand, is um, is Tommy Lee's, are they considered the long taper? The LT? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're... Yeah. I don't know. I I mess around with Lars's a lot, and I like them as well. I haven't met, I haven't tried any other brand or any other version of those, so 
I might have to try those. What are yeah, they? They're lighter li- or little bit, little bit lighter, and they're and they're uh, like a gray metallic silver kind of color. So they kind of look cooler when you're playing them. No offense to Lars or nothing. Like I like the white tips. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just think they look cool. Um, but yeah, so that's awesome. Uh, could you remember? I know you had said you started off early. Can you remember exactly what the very first show was? Yeah, it was uh, Lollapalooza, nineteen ninety six, at Molson Park in Barrie. It was it's built like everything that happened in that city. I grew up in a small city just north of Toronto, so like everything that happened there is built as Toronto. But uh, so yeah, that was the first show. Uh, they can do. Um, big note about that show, and again, kills me to this very day. Was one of the final Ramones shows in history, and I was too young to appreciate it. That's okay. At least you get to see it. We can join you in that because we saw Lemmy with our first show, and we were like, what? can we just move on from this? And now we just kick ourselves in the face for being douchebag yeah. high school kids. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I don't even remember any of that show, and that's that's what really hurts me the most. But it's... Uh... Yeah, I feel that. I, re- I remember hearing... The guys next to us saying at that show, "Oh, Lumi's coming out to play a song," and I, I, I looked at Tyler and I said, "Motherfucker, we're gonna lose a song because we have to listen to this mole-headed son of a bitch." And here we are now. I would, I would pay, you know, I would donate my first child to see that. So, <laughs> yeah. oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much have to at this point. So, I mean, I'm glad to say that I was there, you know, but I'd be lying if I said I was excited. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's good. To, good to know I'm not the only one with regrets like that in life. I <laughs> know <clears throat> oh, that's right. So we have the same regrets for Lamb of God at that show. I uh, I, I admit, like I am much a bigger, like a much bigger Lamb of God fan now than I was then. Absolutely. Oh, we are too. It it took that show getting us to like, oh, okay, well they weren't terrible. Let's listen to them. And now we haven't seen them since. And I'd kill to see Lamb of God at this point. Yeah. Have you heard their new uh, single? I haven't. I have not, but called, I did hear. It's called a ghost. I did hear that their tour with. Uh, Sorry, y'all. It's called Ghost Shape People. Right. Uh, dude, it's good. It's got a really good riff in it. So. Cool. I did hear that their tour with uh, Trivium and Megadeth has not been canceled yet, and they're shooting for late 2021. So. That's- uh it hasn't been if canceled? it actually happens, I'll fucking be there. It has not been canceled yet. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Dude, Trivium and Lamb of God together would be awesome. Yeah, we'll get out of early, out of there early so we don't have to watch Megadeth. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say it, but uh, you know, you brought it up, so <laughs> I mean, I everybody I has to learn life. eventually. I can't stand his voice or his attitude. <laughs> is it his attitude gets me, but yeah, it's Mm-hmm. He's a hell of a guitar player, but I can't stand him at all aspects. So I would love to beat the traffic and get the hell out of there while they're hitting the stage. <laughs> and then we'll go into the car and listen to the, A Long Way to the Top and to Ecstasy of Gold and to like Blackened or something so that we can have our own opener. <laughs> Go go! Just go listen to the early recordings with Dave and Metallica. It's like you always still listen to Dave play, but you know. It's... Oh yeah, 
We'll just go listen to the Four Horsemen. <laughs> Not the mechanics. <laughs> Not the mechanics. Um, I came across a video about that recently. It was an interview Dave did, and he was talking about the uh, the middle section of that and how it was basically a joke. The joke oh. off to Sweet Home Alabama, and I can't unhear it. Every time I hear that song, all I hear is Sweet Home Alabama now. Oh, man. Now, did you see uh, the video from the Alabama show in 2019? 2019? I may have. I, I, I generally watched all of them. I don't particularly remember that one. The uh, the Kirk and Rob Doodle in the middle was Sweet Home Alabama. James came out and sang a verse. That would have been cool. Dude, it was awesome. Of course, and I'm a We huge, were at that show. It was, it was pretty fun. I'm a huge Alabama fan, so of course I was like freaking out. So, I was a big fan of those jams. I, I really liked some of the ones that they they did, and they really made it. They really made it cool. Yeah, the, I enjoyed a few of them. Um, there were some I didn't know, so I really didn't care for. But uh, definitely enjoyed that one and a few others. I don't even remember which one they did in Atlanta. When we saw them. Do you? Or even when you saw them in Florida? I don't. That same year. I, I don't remember. Alabama was definitely the most noteworthy one because I knew that song so well, and the fact that James joined in on the vocals, which he had not been doing, so that was yeah, awesome. that's pretty memorable. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, that and we got Dream No More, so I wasn't bitching about that show at all. <laughs> Heck yeah, fair enough, fair mm-hmm. enough. So I know you mentioned that you play. You, you play drums. I remember, did you get to play um, a song or two at the uh, Met Club party at the night between S&M 2? I did. Uh, I played Seek and Destroy uh, with some very talented friends from uh, all over the place. I think we were four different countries represented on that stage for our song. Um, so. That's crazy. How did, um, what's the story on getting something like that together? How did y'all, did like, did y'all contact the guy who was hosting or? How'd y'all so, uh, so, so it was Russell, uh, who's a, who's a member of the family, very good friend, uh, was hosting that particular party. Um, and so I don't know the details on how the band got involved, but, uh, the guys from, uh, hardwired to kill a ball from, uh, Texas, uh, Randy Alanis and the boys. Um, I mean, they, they're all, they're friends, they're family. Um, uh, right. Randy's honestly one of the, probably the best people I know on this planet. Um, but so they got involved and, uh, we had done, a jam like that before actually uh a couple of times we did one um rock and rio in las vegas we did one the night before so we'd uh we'd kind of were not new to the idea of doing a a fan jam and then having a band to play so it was just a matter of who was going to organize it and then you know it was randy reached out he knew that i played he knew i played in the past and was coming down so he asked me if i wanted to participate and uh the answer was a very quick fuck yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So did y'all get together a little bit ahead of time when you got down into California or? No chance. Uh, the four of us, I don't know. I can't speak for the other three people that I played with. Uh, uh, I know I played with Christy from Chicago uh, and uh, Brian Hammett from Mexico was on stage with me as well. Um, I had never played with any of the other uh, the other three ever. We stepped on stage and went. What the fans saw is what the first time we had ever played together. Wow, that's uh, that's pretty intense, dude. 
it's it's a little nerve-wracking i mean you're not only are you playing metallica for metallica fans um you're playing metallica for your friends and you're also playing with no rehearsal so yeah it's a little nerve-wracking but uh you kind of get into it you know everybody's going to support it no matter what happens anyway so that's very true and like you said it's the hardest of the hardcore metallica fans who are going to know every nook and cranny of each and every song (laughs) exactly i think so they're gonna see every fuck up (laughs) i mean honestly i think i i criticized my performance that night harder than anybody else ever would so it's it's that's just being part of being a musician early yes it's hard to imagine that particular met club party now because that building was so crowded so crowded uh that was one of the more crowded uh, met club parties i'd ever been a part of uh, I think I was maybe in the building a total of 20 minutes that entire night. I was just stayed outside. <laughs> I think uh, I spent a lot of time hanging it. So I, I spent some time working with Russell. I was uh, kind of on his staff for that event, uh, having experience in event management. I gave him kind of, I was around to give him a hand. Um, I spent most of my night kind of in the back parking lot, vaping and just staying away from people because it was just, there were so many people. Dude, yeah, it was very just kind of, almost unbearable in some instances, especially in the bar area. Like you couldn't yeah. move in there. So I can't, I can't tell you how many times I was in the bar area and I turned to walk out and would walk straight into Glenn's chest. <laughs> <laughs> well, you knew he was going to be at the bar. Well, so. I mean, you can see him oh, from yeah. a mile away. So that too. <laughs> <laughs> um, and funny that you bring him up. Um, I had floor seats for night two, had no idea who was sitting with me. And I sit down and uh, I look over beside me and who do you think is the two seats to my immediate right? I got, uh, they were the two seats that were in front of me and Tyler on that too. <laughs> yeah. Y'all, y'all were oh, right yeah, in front yeah, of us. That's, that's right. I forgot right, about yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. They, I forgot all about that. Yeah. That was funny. Um, I just feel blessed to have been there at all. Forget being surrounded by the people that I know and love. So it's, yeah, we talked about that oh, with yeah, Josh that was, because that was experience. Yeah, it's a miracle that anybody got tickets to that show. So, and the funny thing about that is, let alone uh, good remember, tickets. Yeah, when the tickets went on sale for night one, I didn't find out uh, until about an hour later after I got my tickets that people were having problems. I just thought, oh, everybody that had the presale, all the family, everybody's good to, good to go, like every other show. Um, you know, I bought my tickets and then I continued and then I went into the group chat and people were pissed and I had, I was in the lower 100 section, right? Basically what would be center court just off center court. And, you know, I pristine sightline. I thought, Oh, I didn't think anything of it. And I didn't find out till later that people were not getting tickets to that show. <laughs> yeah, I was the same way. Like I bought tickets and, uh, jump on MFF and, it was a fucking war zone. Yeah. Yeah. I was one of the ones that did not get a ticket. So me and uh me and everybody else were sharing in that frustration. Now fortunately I was able to buy mine from uh Jason when we got down there because he wanted to sell his and buy a seat closer and I was like, Hey, I'll take that. <laughs> so because I went we we I flew to California without a ticket to not one and was able to get one, so that's good. Um was fortunate enough to get all I can say is I've never been happier for a legacy pre-sale oh gosh (laughs) 
and then and, but then to be uh to be not excluded from the sale for night two was even more special you know it's it, um so i know there was a lot of frustrated people you know i hate to brag about it but it's just one of those things it was just weird maybe it was just meant to be like i had no issues at all getting tickets to either of those shows i had zero issue whatsoever buying so, tickets it was the easiest process. It was easier than buying tickets for the stadium shows in 17, which was, that was a fucking nightmare for me. Was that the that purple walking dude or is that S&M? No, I can't remember. I, I have nightmares with that purple walking guy. S&M. Yeah, the purple yeah, walking dude. The Ticketmaster guy, just walking. <laughs> the Ticketmaster guy, just walking. Yeah, yeah he's a jerk. Uh, yeah. That's bad. Um, were you... Did you get to go to? You said you've been both to both Orions, right? I was at both Orions. Did we get to see you at that point? Did we know you? I knew, or I might have known Blake at that point. I can't remember. So uh, I don't remember when I first met Blake. But once upon a time, I do remember when I was working for a theater company and we were doing a tour across the southern U.S. I do remember driving through Chattanooga and meeting up with this guy at a. I think it was a Krispy Kreme in Chattanooga, right off the interstate. Um, yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember yeah. coming through, and I was like, "Hey, you want to get together for a coffee?" I'm, I'm, it'd be good to see it. But I honestly don't really have a lot of recollection for my early, my early days with, uh, with Blake. Gotcha. Well, I know we were. Uh, there. That was the first time we had met, so I don't think I knew you at that point. Oh. Um. Well, so we've been. We were at both Orion's. We were at Lollapalooza in what was it? 16 15 15 15 15 15 15 15 15 15 15 15 15 15 15 15 15 15 15 15 15 15 15 15 15 15 15 15 15 15 15 15 15 15 15 15 15 15 15 15 15 15 15 15 um, still breaks my heart to this day. Like Heavy Montreal is one of my favorite festivals. So now when I, I get two day pass, two day passes and go down to that show every year, but, uh, no, that year I just came down and then I left. Yeah. Val hosted our most favorite myth club party of all time. So Val is a phenomenal person. <laughs> we love her to death. She's one of my favorite people that walks this planet. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and that was our first Met Club party ever. And so the fact that it was our first and nothing's been able to top that since then is kind of unfortunate. But, I mean, what are you going to do? That was pre-fifth member, you know, so you had to buy a ticket to get in there and yeah. or at least show your card. And so You missed a good time in Detroit. Uh, we, had a, we had a party the night before the first night of Orion in Detroit. Uh, and I think it was Randy that kind of helped put it together. It was at the Hard Rock. And it was all good. And we wanted to do our group photo as, you know, anybody who's been around the family, you know, after every show, we always get together to do a group photo. Problem is that the hard rock, there's nowhere to do it. So there's this big like lobby, the hard rocks in the, uh, the base of like an office building. So it's a big lobby space. So we all go out there to take the picture and security freaked out and called the cops. So we're like trying to get everybody in to take this picture as quickly as we could before the cops were showing up and then dispersed. <laughs> oh, shoot. Yeah, I guess it could be a little intimidating to see all these burly-esque men and then all these women just together in, wearing black vests, tattoos, piercings. In a building in a building that's closed. So this is, I mean, of course, is like later at night in a building that's closed in Detroit. So, yeah, I can imagine. 
Yeah, no. yeah, we remember Detroit at nighttime. That was not a fun place to be. <laughs> it's not a fun place to be during the day either. I love Detroit, but I mean, I, I, being so close to it, I go quite frequently, and you know, it's it's one of those places you got to know where you're going. We could discuss briefly yeah. about the uh, the nightmare that was the bus system. Oh, briefly, we could we could sit and discuss that oh, for God. months. Um, I mean, that's that to me is that could be a whole that. podcast series. <laughs> how not to run a bus program? How not to? How, yeah, how, yeah, how <laughs> not to get fans to your show? Yeah, but all the be it, it was better on day two than it was on day one. Yeah. I would agree with that. Day but it was still one, a shit show both days. Day one for us, we were standing in line for, I don't even know what time we got there. It was still real early, real early. Waited in line for hours, got on the like second, I don't know, it was one of the first couple of buses, but then we didn't arrive till like 20 buses later because our driver didn't know. I don't. He must have been from like Florida or something, never driven in a city in his life because he was just all over the place. And every time a bus would pass us, we'd just get more and more pissed off. <laughs> it's like, what the heck, man? We waited hours for these people to just cut line, essentially. Uh, what a nightmare. Yeah, it definitely made me miss Atlantic City. My hotel was right across the street. Uh, I mean, we I got in the night before for Atlantic City, and I could hear the uh, the sound check happening on the stage across it. Because I kid you not, it was like 200 feet to the gate from my hotel room. That's awesome. We stayed pretty far away. Both. Uh, we stayed what felt like two hours away. It was pretty far away. And both times we drove. So we, I don't, were, we were driving cars with Georgia license plates and got pulled over the first Orion, the first night we were there uh, for no reason. He just kind of pulled us over just to kind of check and see what was going on. So. Well, I, I I know how that goes. I used to live in Pennsylvania, just just north of Philly, and I had I still had my Canadian plates on my car at that point. You know, Jersey, I just love to pull people over. No disrespect to Jersey, some good people from there in the family, and there's some good you know good people there all around. But yeah, they they love to pull people over. You can't even pump your own gas, so I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> that's something that's I'll never whole. understand. <laughs> I, I understand it, but that's a whole different story altogether. That's him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we had talked about on our first episode, uh, we had shared some crazy show stories that we had experienced. You and your particular line of work, is there anything that you can tell us about? Um, it doesn't have to be Metallica related, but uh, crazy things that have happened during a show that you've seen or witnessed uh that you'd like to share? Uh, crazy things I've seen or witnessed. Uh, that is, I've never really witnessed anything too insane. I mean, you know, over the years, uh, for, for people who don't know me, uh, I work in like audio visual. I work in live music. Um, festivals in the summer is a big thing for me. I've seen, you know, I've seen, you know, people get assaulted. I've seen people, you know, pass out from the heat, getting pushed up on the rail. You know, I've seen that at shows I've been attended, but I've seen it being on the other side of the rail too. Never really seen anything too crazy. Uh, you know, Snoop Dogg bringing strippers on stage. You know, it's probably about as crazy as it gets. Um, <laughs> wow. Okay, that's interesting. <laughs> uh, 
I guess okay. So one, I guess the I don't know. I won't call it crazy. Strangest thing I've ever seen. Um, Voodoo Music and Arts Festival in New Orleans. Metallica covered for Green Day. I think it was 2011, 2012, something like that. Um, and ACDC comes on. All is good. We're all getting pumped up. Fades out. Nothing. About 10, 15 seconds of nothing. And I could so maybe there was a, a an issue. Something the band was delayed. But I shit you not. Symphony of Destruction started playing. Yep. Oh. So we we went from ACDC to Metallica, or sorry, to Megadeth into the Ecstasy of Gold. Oh no. What the fuck? <laughs> and I don't know anybody else. Like, Randy would be the only other person that was with me. That was actually the night I met uh, Randy Lannis. Uh, he came in down from Houston. It was a close show for him. But uh, I'm going to have to try and find like tape like see if i scour youtube and try and find these videos but yeah that's that uh, so it's not crazy story but that's definitely the strangest thing i've ever witnessed at a show my jaw i would be so bad my jaw's still on the floor (laughs) the thought of hearing getting that pumped and then that song starting i would be like what is this nonsense would feel so betrayed so i know from (laughs) yeah so I know from being Facebook friends with you for as long as I have that uh, you have a pretty eclectic music taste doing what you do. You see a lot of bands, a lot of artists. Uh, other than Metallica, who I would assume is your favorite live uh, performance, what other bands, people, have you seen that just blew you the fuck away that you didn't expect? Uh, first time I saw Justin Timberlake live blew me away hands down um probably i mean no offense to the boys in metallica but justin Timberlake's probably one of the best live shows on the planet that's crazy I, i've heard stories of no his shit. yeah i've heard stories for sure that his show's insane but when you're that you can get away with more stuff if you're not like in a metal genre unfortunately our culture has like shrunk in what you can do at a metal show and limited to just such a small window of things that you can pull off mm-hmm. and make it work and the fans be okay with it. But when you're in the pop, hip hop, basically any other genre other than ours, uh, you can pretty much get away with a lot more. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, country bands get away with quite a bit too. So it's, I've seen quite a few country acts over the years. Now I got some that I really like, uh, Eric church, who I first saw at Orion and have since become a huge fan of, um, you know, right down to guys like uh, Kane Brown, somebody a little bit newer. Um, you know, just a phenomenal artist. Well, Kane Brown's from uh, our neck of the woods. He went to a local high school around here. Actually, he went to Ridgeland for a year, which was the, the high school we went to, and then transferred to one that was down the street. So, him and Lorna Lena. So, <laughs> we really liked Eric uh, Church at Orion, too, by the way. We became and, huge Eric Church fans after that. So, absolutely, yeah, you know, big respect for that guy, uh, Garth Brooks. I am one of the biggest Garth Brooks fans on the planet. I will travel to see him the way I travel to see Metallica. I've heard he puts have, on a good love show, and it's cheap. It's affordable. Hmm. So I will say this, and and nobody's going to expect this out of me. Or I'm going to assume Tyler's going to agree with me. Other than Metallica, the best live show I've ever seen, Coldplay. 
Mm-hmm. Unless it's at the Super Bowl where Metallica's supposed to be, you know. Yeah. But dude, Coldplay puts on one hell of a show. I really enjoyed that one. Yeah. Outside of the Metallica realm, Coldplay for sure was just of course we had we were big fans of Coldplay for years and years before we actually got to see him, so the build up for that was like forever. Yeah. So we saw them at uh also also Muse. Muse put on a really good show. I forget that we've actually seen them. We've we met them. Uh we got to take their get that meet and greet in the back, got their picture made and whatnot. So they're short, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're little. <laughs> yeah, there's there's in in all realms of music, there's very few bands that like I don't really appreciate. You know, there's a few that I just can't get into few that i you know i've had that i won't discuss that i've had run-ins with over the years that you know treated me like shit and treated other people like shit and i just i don't buy into that rock star attitude so the bands have lost my respect because of it but like for the most part for me if a song if a song or an artist hits me and i feel it in my gut you know i don't care who it is or what genre it is and i'll listen to it did you uh what do you think of uh baby metal at heavy montreal See, I thought it was okay, but I also knew what I was in getting into when you know when they were playing. So. Yeah, we knew ahead of time as well. Uh, fortunately, um, <laughs> didn't get punked out like a whole bunch of other people. So, <laughs> yeah, if if I didn't know, then it might have been a different story. Um, but again, you know, you got to appreciate it for what it is. It's something different, and that's the cool thing about festivals is you know, it's, it's not always. If I wanted to go and you know hear the, the same 10 bands I listen to all day every day I just do that but that's what that's one thing I like about festivals and one of the things I liked about the Orion festivals was just no matter where you went it was something different yes agreed yeah, yeah. that was a different lineup mm-hmm. we didn't get to see them on day one but I was super excited that Silver Sun Pickups played the Orion festival it's a band I never expected to be on that bill Modest Mouse was a band I never would have expected to play with Metallica, to be honest, but that's. I forgot, that too. I forgot they were there. Wow. Yeah. Uh, is it embarrassing I, that we I can't didn't, believe we didn't watch them. Uh, yeah. Well, is it embarrassing that we did not stay for Red Hot Chili Peppers on that one? <laughs> I did. <laughs> yeah, we left after the Dehon set. Uh so we may lose points for that one, but it's okay. We got to see Metallica that day, so I can't lie. I waited months and months. That was supposed to be the first time I ever saw the Dropkick Murphys. I at that point had never seen them and was I was <laughs> I was pumped. And then when I put two and two together at the same time, Dehan's playing. I thought, shit. I would have. I would not have mind to see the Dropkick Murphys, like, but fortunately. Not- Blake had the insight to to know better, so you, I felt bad for those guys. I really did, but they had to have understood. Yeah. Well, surely they knew ahead of time. I mean, surely. Surely. It had to be weird watching hundreds of people run away from their stage <laughs> towards a different stage. Towards a different stage. Hundreds, yeah, if not thousands, thousands of people. Oh, it had to be thousands because when the, when this started, there was maybe. 500 people at that stage and then probably when the curtain dropped by song two yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. When I saw two, it was a sea of people. <laughs> and and it ended, you know what? It ended up being one of the coolest little performances I, uh, of all the times that I had seen the band. That was probably one of the coolest ones I had seen. Yeah. Very unique. My only bitch about that show... The only thing I had to bitch about that show is he fucked up the lyrics to Whiplash, and that was the first time I ever got to see Whiplash, and he didn't say Metallica in the one song where they say Metallica. See, I have beef with that song live anyway, because no matter what recording, you, if you go back and listen to it played over the years, I mean, we all know that song's got four verses. That song, when they play it live, they skip the third verse, go right into the fill for the solo, play the solo, and then play the fourth verse. Um, so yeah, I got beef with that song all around anyway. Yeah. Well, something else was going on that day for James during that particular show. Cause he was like pissed off about something. Uh, the way he kept looking at his audio tech during that show, I never, I hope to God, James never looks at me like that. Uh, <laughs> cause he was not happy. Uh, to say the least. I do remember there was a lot of feedback issues and stuff in the the early couple of songs in that show. Pretty pretty much, yeah. Um, what about... Um, i trying to think if there's anything else show-wise that we need to talk about. Too many shows to remember at this point. Yeah. How, how many shows have you seen, Dustin? I know it's a high number. It's 87. Um, but two... Jesus be- Christ. To be fair, I always use the logic because the big thing that came up in the summertime with the uh, pandemic show and then with the uh, all of the my hands stream was, you know, what are we calling a show? What counts as a show credit towards your number? I always say, you know, you can give uh, give credit to our uh, to our good buddy, Phil. If I would say if it ends up on iPalm, I count it as a show. Um. So that's how I track, you know, my shows and, and stuff like that. So my number is at 87. But to be fair, one of those was technically when they played Ender Sandman for Mariano Rivera's last game at Yankee Stadium. I was there. Uh, it's on IPOM listed as I saw the band play Ender Sandman. So, I mean, 86 shows that I've seen them perform 87 times. It depends on which way you want to look at it. There you go. I like that. I don't think I've ever thought about it It's that still way. about 60-something more than I've seen. I've just been fortunate from where I grew up. If you look at a map in Toronto, like I grew up right near Toronto, which I mean, you know, we get most major tours all the time anyway. I'm only three and a half, maybe four hours to Detroit. I'm an hour and a half from Buffalo. I'm, you know, I'm four hours the other way to Montreal. I can go and see Metallica 10 times on a tour and not go more than 10, 12 hours away from home. Yeah, that's one of the drawbacks of living in the South. We get maybe two shows, and the rest of them you're traveling eight plus hours. Yeah, it's, yep. it's so I've just been fortunate, and then a lot of them came down to just you know blind luck, like being in New Orleans when they played Voodoo. I happened to be working in Australia when they were doing the Soundwave festivals, um, stuff like that. So a lot of it's just by by complete chance. Did we ever? Um, I know we had gotten a chance to talk a little bit before the S and M show. It might have been. I'm not sure if it was night one or night two, but did we ever confirm or not whether we saw uh, Steph Curry? Do y'all remember that? We were on the steps <laughs> behind. We were on the steps. I do. Yes. Did I we do. ever confirm if one. that was him or him or not? Because it looked like him, and at some point somebody asked for a selfie. So it very well could have been. I do remember that. That was before night one, just before doors. Um, 
And I rolled, I don't know if everybody remembers this, I rolled, I, I was rolling around San Francisco on those rental scooters, like mad that whole week we were there. And I rolled up to the show in my scooter and like, I had like 500 people turn around like, like who the hell is this guy? Um, I do remember, but I do remember that. I don't know <laughs> if we confirmed it was Steph Curry, but I think it was. <laughs> we're going to say yes. That was the most famous go. person. Yes. That's that was, what I'm going to say. Yeah, that was yeah. the most famous person I saw in San Francisco. So, other than James Hetfield, but we, I'm not going to talk about that. Uh, I had uh, I had Cliff Bernstein uh, about ten or twelve seats to my right night one uh, for SNM. So he was sitting. It was him and Ray Burton and a couple other guys. What? And I was like, I, but they're walking down, and the problem with night one, if you remember, was not it was a lot of Metallica fans, but it was a lot of the uh, San Francisco ticket holders, the season mm-hmm. ticket holders. Mm-hmm. So I mean, so a guy like Ray Burton, somebody like Cliff Bernstein, can walk into the arena. Nobody knows who the hell this guy is. Dude, if I would have been sitting down and I looked over and saw Cliff Bernstein, it's funny you mentioned him. Um, I'd have been freaking out. It's funny y'all mentioned him. Um, so at the Atlanta show in 2017, I did the hardware package. And uh, after we go and meet the band and all that stuff, or it was right before we went and met the band, they had us in the tent in the middle of the field or in the middle of the floor, like where they do all their lighting and all that bullshit. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were 12 of us and then the Wrangler who had us uh, for the meet and greet. And I look over and there's Cliff Bernstein just hanging out. Waiting for the band to come on. I talked to him for a few minutes. He was a super nice guy. Uh, I, I I kind of expected him to be a dick just from the way he comes off, but he was super nice. Yeah, I don't think he. I mean, I mean, yeah, he manages the biggest band of all time, but I mean, I don't think at the same time he, he's got that rock star attitude. I think part of his job is to be cool and, and to be calm. So I, I never actually met him, but I've been around him a number of times. And yeah, I always thought he just seemed like just such a laid back kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah. I, when I, um, when I got there, I was supposed to be higher up. Um, and somebody, I was just sitting in my seat by myself, just kind of waiting for the show to start. And somebody came in with their friend or whatever. They were like, Hey, I've got this ticket that's down further. Clo- it's closer. Now I wouldn't, it was still like in the upper two hundreds, but they were like, it's closer. Would you care to trade with me? Cause I want them to be able to sit with me. I was like, heck yeah, I'll move closer. Uh, so of course, and then I'm like, is this ticket? Run that legit? Shit. Yeah. Well, and at first I'm like, is this ticket legit? But then <laughs> am, I to, am I about to give up my seat? Um, but, shoot, I would have went and stood at the bar. I wouldn't have cared just to be in the building for that. Yeah, just, just, just to be there was magical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got some random video that I took from my uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, my little camera that GoPro. I bought. GoPro. That's what it is mm-hmm. from my little GoPro that we took. Just some video of like inside the stadium and on the floor at night too being able to walk around like that was probably one of the more shocking things to me was that that was just open access to just walk around the floor and see all the instruments up close. I've never been that close to Lars's drum set in my life. I have, uh, I've actually been, I was on stage in Philadelphia 
during the Arena Worldwide Tour. And yeah, there, there's uh, anybody who knows me, it's, uh, that's actually, I think it's my Facebook profile picture right now. And, you know, me doing the selfie thing with Lars's drum kit. And I mean, as a drummer, I know that feeling that, that you felt being that close. And uh... oh, yeah, yeah, it was something else for sure. That was a nerve wracking moment in Philly. I tell you, I'm not Playing even, a, I'm not even a drummer and I want to touch it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So. You know, we've talked about all kinds of stuff about shows and other kind of experiences, but I think we're ready to ask you our three questions. So if this is the first episode you're listening to, we are going to ask every um, family member the same three questions uh, so that we can kind of get a good general census of where everybody's at. Uh, So the first question is, what is your dream set list? Oh, it's the impossible question, but I think... I put it together, um, you know, much like you guys. Like, I, I just can I just put fixer, 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 and then maybe uh, I disappear or something. <laughs> but it, it's 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 one of those things. Like, I, I wanted to have the dream set list, and I wanted to be as realistic as I could, following kind of their template. And I kind of mix it up with the template from the recent tours versus over the years. So I think I got it down. Uh, so first song, definitely kicking it off with what I believe is the greatest arena opener blackened that song just hits it's a good one yeah uh, that's going to end up probably being a pretty staple for an opener for dream set list just because it works no matter how many times you see it because you can start with the tape um, yep. and just kind of kick into it so yeah absolutely and uh going back to like the 2004 arena tour, my number two song fuel blackened into fuel is just, it's a great transition. Uh, you know, you kind of let that, that, let that note hang at the end of blackened and that just, it'll James do his thing. And, uh, so I just thought that was a great transition to go into, uh, my second song. Yep. You're my new favorite person for sure. (laughs) Uh, my next song, uh, ride the lightning. Seem like a nice spot, you know. You got kind of a mid mid tour and kind of a you know, kind of a mid generation song. Go back, go back. Did you peep uh, my set list? Did you listen to episode three already? Because I'm, pr- I, I'm pretty uh, sure that was mine. So far, you've got it pretty close. <laughs> uh, and then, funny enough, my next song off the same album, going uh, going for bells right after lightning. I just thought, you know, just while you're kind of in that same era, same kind of sound. Yep. Seemed like a nice spot to, to go. Uh, then I want to kind of slow it down a little bit. Uh, the Unforgiven 2. Mm, yes. <laughs> maybe then, one day, uh, maybe one day, James will grace us with that wonderful, for, uh, wonderful for song. Anything. All right, uh, and then going on from there, I wanted to uh, to kind of go into an instrumental a little bit. I was, to, I was really struggling as to what I wanted to choose, and honestly, Orion, best instrumental I have I've, I've heard. Mm-hmm. I know I love Cthulhu to death, but I just think Orion is there's just something something magical about it. Yep, agreed. I mean, there's a reason I didn't name my kid Cthulhu, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good luck, your teachers. Uh, reading that one off in class. Huh? Um, 
Koodaloo? All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're, we're Orion. All right. Coming out of Orion, probably everybody staple will be on, no matter who you ask this question to, is always going to be on the set list, Master of Puppets. Yep. But if you remember from the uh, from the 2018 Arena Tour with that extended outro to Master Puppets, kind of gave it something new and something fresh. Uh, if you don't know exactly like what I'm referring to, if you go back and listen to any of the uh, the masters from like the October, September, October, November, like 2018 arena tour in North America, you'll hear it. The, they they had this like, kind of extended outro thing to it, and it just it really changed up the end of the, the way the song ended. Mm. All right, when you uh, play a song that long, you have to change it up a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, coming out of Master, um, Lars will probably hate me for this, uh, but Damage Incorporated, right out of Master of Puppets. Oh, <laughs> Lars would hate me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes, he would, but I would love you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, coming out of Damage Incorporated, we're going. We're gonna roll the tape, and we're gonna play uh, play some one. Slow it down again a little bit. Okay. You know, it's one of those, it's got to be on the set list. It's just one of those staples that it's just, you got to hear it. Yep. Uh, especially especially on tours where they're doing a lot of pyro, you know, it just, it works. After one, uh, you guys will love me for this one. Uh, I want to hear St. Anger again. Oh, yes, please. Yes, sir. <laughs> and I loved the variation or the way they were doing the, the intro to that recently in yep. 2019. I thought that was very good. Oh, that was that was super cool. Uh, next up, uh, until it sleeps, would be uh, you know. Yes. Just I struggle. I struggled with that a little bit. I couldn't figure out uh, you know what I wanted to put where, and you know, until it sleeps just kind of seemed like it would fit right in there, nice. After you know your master puppets into damaging into one into Saint Anger, like you know you gotta you gotta come down <laughs> from that a little bit. I feel so, you. Yeah. You gotta give Lars, Lars a break, especially because uh, after that we're going into through the never. So that song, <laughs> that song yeah. is an that song's an absolute banger live, and I could listen to it every show for the rest of time, hands down. Uh, oh, absolutely! Then, uh, absolutely. Uh, so after through the never, uh, I disappear. Yep. It's just it's a. Blake, you, know, you got to get, before you move on, I'm sorry, Blake, you need to tell the, the small story of uh, when we saw that, what was it, at Lollapalooza, or was it night two of Orion? I don't remember. But whenever they did that song. Lala. Uh, okay, so Lala. At some and point, I'm, I'm, the camera panned and got Blake at some point during the song. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have this strange I had a little dance can... move with it. Uh I'm trying to, that I want to see. No, we definitely uh, we definitely heard that night to uh, Detroit Orion as well. So it's it's just one of those songs they pull out every now and again. Every time I hear it, I'm just I'm smiling ear to ear. All right, after I disappear, the one I want to hear, and I'm sure you want to hear, Murder One. Okay. Yes. I, I, oh, I absolutely. Just, I just have a serious thing with that song. You know, it's just like my my go to. My go-to song uh, on that album. Uh, after that, kind of closing up the main set, uh, Ain't My Bitch. 
<laughs> yes. 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 I'm a low. I'm a load era guy. Uh, I don't know if you noticed that with this set list, but I am definitely a load era guy. Well, um, that's. I think that's why we get along so well. <laughs> All right, and to close out the main set, uh, Whiplash, but played properly. Four <laughs> verses. Four verses played correctly. All four verses. All four verses played correct. Um, that's my. I have that problem with Black and Two. They uh, they don't play the second half of the guitar solo live, which has bothered me for the better part of twenty years at least. Mm-mm-mm. How dare they! So uh, coming into the the, the three song encore set, uh, I thought it'd be fun to start it with uh, the Freight Ends of Sanity. Kind of come right out, you know, after. It, a couple minutes of everybody cheering, kind of get everybody, you know, cheering along and singing along. I thought it'd be a little bit of fun. And they tease that song all the time anyway. So Everybody's the fact that they would just, pants. yeah, well, the fact if they just kept going with it, it would just be yeah. even more of a surprise. Because everybody, exactly. like, everybody would just think, oh, it's just the teaser version. Nope. Exactly. And that's, play the whole and that's thing. right at the, and that's right at the point of the song where they do that. So uh, after the Fred Ends of Sanity, Bleeding Me. You build it up, bring it down again. Oh, in the encore too, man. In the encore too. Oh, I I love that song. I was one I really, uh, yeah, I I can listen to all day, every day. Uh, And then finally, final song. It's a great taped intro. It's a nice, great song. I think it would make a banger of a finisher. My apocalypse. Okay. Okay. I feel that. I can fuck with that. Mm-hmm. I ended my set list with Spit Out the Bone because I have not heard it's that. It's not song what yet. I've heard as a suggestion, so. but uh See, I won't I, I won't say too much, Tyler, to to break your heart, but uh, I was excited to hear Spit Out the Bone and incredibly let down by it. And it wasn't the song, it was because of the way the song was recorded. There's just so many layers of guitars in that song that they can't duplicate live that I just I personally didn't like it but mm. you know not to say it's not a great song it's not a great song live i just personally didn't like the way it sounded live i didn't think it tra- it i didn't think it transferred from from album to live very well i don't think i've paid attention to that so i'm glad you kind of set me up for that because i would i would be super disappointed if it didn't sound exactly the way i wanted it to so <laughs> i've heard that before that it didn't live up to live expectations uh yeah. Well, we said that too about um, we did our album review of Load on episode three, and we talked about mm-hmm. that's how it would be for a lot of those songs on Load, and that's why they haven't played them, um, like Cure or um, Poor Twisted Me, and all those songs. You know, just kind of I don't know, or Thorn Within just probably wouldn't translate well so yeah no even even something like ronnie i don't even think would translate well even though it's such a basic song i don't give a fuck how well it translates <laughs> i need them to play it just once <laughs> I, I i almost i wanted to put on my set list i wanted to put escape only for the reason that if it was only ever played twice i would have been there to see it played both times that's true yeah, my brother. My brother is. A yeah, that would have been huge, my logic too. <laughs> my brother is a huge fan. Um, he wasn't at in Atlantic City, and uh, he's still pissed that I brag about seeing Escape Live because he to this day that bothers him. 
Yeah, I would hold that against everybody too. I do. So. Okay. I mean, is there any is there any better feeling than telling somebody who likes Metallica that you saw a song that they didn't? <laughs> Fair enough. That's how yeah. everybody is with us and St. Anger songs. So. <laughs> yeah. I saw Escape. <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah? Well, I've seen St. Anger, Frantic, Dirty Window. <laughs> Don't remind me. I saw all of and them. That's my what I tell them to go fuck themselves. <laughs> <laughs> it was acoustic, but I don't care. I saw uh, Lars do the drum part to Anesthesia. Okay, so what now? I've seen him fuck that up. If you you go yeah. back and watch that recording, he came in way too early. Oh, really? I don't think I noticed yeah, that. He, yeah, go back and go back and watch that uh, from Orion when the Dehan set. Uh, yeah, Rob wasn't quite there in the song yet, and Lars tried to count it in. Awkward. Yeah, I thought you were oh, talking about too. I was like, I didn't right. notice that. I love Lars, but he's not perfect. Oh no, yeah, I forgot. I don't. I didn't mean to say I forgot about Anesthesia at SNM too. I just didn't because it wasn't the band playing it. I didn't really associate it with them. But yeah, That's that funny. was one of the cooler things. That's funny. Oh, Lars. <laughs> oh, Lars. <laughs> All right. So that was question number one. Uh, so question number two is if you had to erase one album from Metallica's history, what would it be? And it cannot be Lulu or Garage Days. So. All right. Uh, I warned Blake about this, that somebody was going to hate me for this answer. And I like to stir up. I like to stir the pot. Anybody who knows me. Um. If I had to get rid of one album, Death Magnetic, it's gone. Oh, yeah, shots fired. I know <sighs> that hurts. A, and little a, bit. a lot of it's personal. A lot of it's personal for me. I love the album. I love the songs. <laughs> I love. I love everything about the album. But it doesn't. Those songs don't mean to me what they the songs from the other albums do. And I think a lot of it has to do with the early 2010s. Like from the uh, from the magnetic tour and onward is when I really started to see the band a lot on the same tour, and I think I just I overheard a lot of the songs that they were playing from that album. So I think for me, I'll, it, it personally it kind of turned me off that album a little bit, and that's the issue with seeing a band so many times on the same touring cycle. Um, but uh, for me, the biggest thing was just I don't connect to the songs on Death Magnetic the way I do. You know, the songs on, on Load, Reload, and especially like St. Anger, knowing what they went through to record that album. You know, it, it's it's you know, serious struggles. And, you know, the fact that we almost didn't have a band after that album. Mm-hmm. We almost didn't have the album at all. Um, so I, so it's, a, it's a purely, you know, personal thing for me. But I definitely know that a lot of people are going to heavily disagree with that decision. Yes. Uh, you know. Oh, I disagree completely. Yeah. But I still love you. <laughs> Yeah, well, considering that was our first album release, because you know we weren't fans of the band at the time when Saint Anger came out, we were too young. So, Death Magnetic was our first like album to be excited about. So, uh, yeah, see, that's the way I felt about Saint Anger. I was in 2009, the ninth grade, I think, when Saint Anger came out. And I remember we, me and my buddies, same guys I used to play with, we cut class and we were sitting outside the local record store. Eight in the morning, waiting for them to open up at eight thirty so we could buy our copies. 
So the way you, that you feel about death magnetic is the attachment that I have to St. Anger. Hmm. It's funny that you mentioned starting the pot because I've talked about uh, in the past. I just this is not really how I feel, but it's it's funny to talk about. If you really want to make somebody mad, just mention the fact that you don't think Metallica didn't even start to get good until after the Black Album. <laughs> man, that sh- that shit'll get you killed, man. Dude, um, could you imagine? But, that, but this, if you, and that just tells you the kind of person, like, the, if you're talking to somebody, and and you know they say, oh, you know they were only good before and justice or they're only good up until justice or they were no good or it, it, it tells you it shows you their connection to music whereas you know guys like me and, and you guys you know we're so well connected to music as a whole that doesn't matter i mean metallica could come out with a k-pop album i'm sure we'd love it for what it was um you know we might be slightly disappointed but you know we can appreciate the music for the music so it's just it everybody kind of is deals with and experiences music in a different way mm-hmm. so well, and I've I've said as well too that if even if they don't like the newer recorded stuff, if they like James's vocals live as of today, they really shouldn't have an issue with today's recordings because that is James' voice. The way he sounds live is the, his recorded sound now. So I don't know. Uh, you you want an unpopular opinion? I think Hetfield sounds better now than he ever has, and I mean ever. Amen. We can all agree on that. I like a normal vocal. I don't want him to hurt himself. There's no need to force it if he doesn't have to. And it still sounds great. There's a lot of grunge in that voice, even after the Black Album. Hands down. Yes. So, everyone that has stopped listening, we'll we'll see you later. Uh, You can join us (laughs) next week, next month, uh, when we're talking to somebody else. Um, yeah, so that was uh, question number two. So you've decided to remove uh, the day that never comes from my life, uh, which is very disappointing. Um, but the Unforgiven Three. Yes, the Unforgiven Three. The Unforgiven Three. Yeah. You can you my can apocalypse, t- which is <laughs> yeah. Well, you can take away uh, all Nightmare Long. That's fine. <laughs> you can keep that one. Uh, you can take that away from me. But um, anyway, so question number three, um, and this can be interpreted however you'd like. It can be band-centric, uh, family, Metallica family, or trip-specific, whatever you want it to be. Uh, question number three is, what's been your favorite experience associated with seeing Metallica? So it's not like a one-off thing it was kind of it's like a two-week period it was one experience so in 2018 october uh i took a couple of weeks off work Uh, i didn't have the luck of having a black ticket so i just bought tickets to the six shows closest to me all in a row left home you know spent i think it was 12 or 13 days going to six shows and just that kind of two-week period of all the moments i've ever been to including san francisco first for snm2 that two week period is like the most special kind of thing. Cause it was, I had uh who did I have? I had John Bidwell and uh, Rob Bradley in my car for two weeks. Rob jumped off to fly home kind of after Charlotte, but I had the same guys, you know, so I traded them. So, you know, they had the hotels booked. I drove the car and put the gas in the car. So I slept on the floor um, for, for a good couple of weeks. 
and just every night being surrounded by the same people and stopping off to do different things. So, you know, we, I had my first night on that tour was Pittsburgh, uh, showed up, did the kind of a little walk around, did the show next night, went and hung out with Jim Brewer, uh, just outside of Pittsburgh uh, for one of his shows. Cause he was doing comedy nights on the off nights. So we were supporting him, you know, next night was, uh, state college, Penn state university. So, you know, the same, so it's just always being around the same people, you know, then we all make the, you know, the, whatever, however long it was, the eight hour drive down to Charlotte, North Carolina. And, and, you know, we had a party down there with, uh, with that chapter and those lovely people. And so it's just night after night, it was just the same people around me for two weeks. It, uh, it was just like a magical experience. Yeah. And I, I know there's a lot of people that will hear this and think the same thing that, most of the time, or most likely, when we ask that question during these, it's going to be uh, travel-centric or just family-centric in general. Because, yeah, you can experience something insane at a particular show, and it can stick with you forever. But it's it's the moments with the community in general that's very unique. And as many bands as I've seen, um, the community is nowhere near the volume or compassionate about their band as it is Metallica. So hands down. Yeah. It's kind of crazy, especially and it's, I don't know if it's, I think it really came to fruition for me to, to see it when Lars was talking about or picking out all the flags and on night two and just kind of like that particular show felt good because yeah, you had to be technically a fifth member to buy a ticket but it's free, but it just felt different than the other show because I feel like the band treated it differently because of who was in the room. It's like they knew, uh, well, I mean, obviously they knew, but it's, I could tell they treated it differently than night one. Um, it was just felt more, uh, more, uh, I don't know. There was more of a connection, especially during, uh, the memory remains that lasted about two and a half minutes after the song was over. (laughs) I, I I remember like almost being in tears when that happened. Uh, but a lot of what, what, like what you're saying, the band being into it, what has to do with the, the type of people that are there. And you know that night too was all was you know mainly fans. You had to be a you know member of the the club to to get tickets. So you're, it was just the energy night too just was so much better. Um, but that's summed up. I don't know if you made it out to the uh, that park outside the arena when we were all chanting uh, Metallica and that's in the European soccer chant. Uh, I mean, like that summed it up. Just the, you know. Yeah, they showcased that at the end of the movie, right? They actually used my footage uh, to the, at the end of the movie. So if you if you watch the credits, I'm actually I'm actually credited above Q Prime and Cliff Bernstein in the credits for SNM too. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> I think I remember the story of you of that video being from you, but I didn't. I don't think I realized that your credit was above theirs. So That's funny. Yeah, so uh, about a week after the shows, I was on, uh, I don't know, are we, do we still call it PPM? I'm poor posting me, the, the, the forums on the old Met Club. And uh, I remember the guys from the, from, the fan, from the club were asking for footage, and I had it. So I sent it in to them, and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, cool. That was the, I never heard anything more. And I remember being at my movie theater the first night SNM2 was playing. And my buddy was across town, and his movie theater must have been about five minutes ahead because my phone blew up. I had no idea. 
and my phone just blew up left and right in group chats and this and that. And I just said, dude, your name is in the credits, man. Your name is in the credits. And I was like, bullshit. And then I watched it. And... That's unbelievable. That's kind of cool. Still waiting on my still waiting on my check though. Uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that moment was kind of crazy though too to see everybody chanting that. Uh it was I'm sure San Francisco was like, can we get these people out of here please? Uh. <laughs> um and like by that I don't know like well, you've been if you ever get a chance to go down to like Brazil or even like Mexico, like that vibe that we had that night outside is what the sh- the vibes inside those shows down there are like. It's just I have never seen passion from fans like I have in like Mexico City or in Rio. Uh, like that's just passion to a whole new level. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. Especially, and you can see it in videos too. We we would like to at some point be able to uh, travel outside the country again. Other than, of course, we've been we went to Canada, but we'd like to see a show in Europe um, at least once uh, to be a part of that. Absolutely. Let me know. I'll come with. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, since my microphone's the devil, I just wanted to add in that I kick myself in the ass every day of my life for not buying a black ticket. Granted, I saved myself thousands of dollars of debt, <laughs> and I had a new baby on the way, so I can't be too mad, but I kick myself in the ass for it either way. I tried, and I couldn't get one, so... See, I I had one in my cart. The morning tickets went on sale, and I thought about it. But I had the realization that I can either have a wife and a new son, or I can have a black ticket. Fair. So I went with the wife and child. I completely respect that. See, I, I but, opted to go on the tour, and we all know how that story ends. <laughs> I will say this uh, we've already discussed it and if another if another one ever happens I'm buying one uh, absolutely uh, I could see them doing it again it, it was it was really kind of a cool thing um, you know plus it's it's not a lot of uh, oh, what's the, what am I word I'm looking for it's not a lot of like effort on their part to do so uh, they're already you know, the black ticket was put together by the same company that was putting together the enhanced experiences. So they've already got staff from these companies doing VIP experiences already. So I mean, it's only just one little extra thing to put on. Well, and two, like it sold out. So it's not like they couldn't sell them or that they never, they went unsold. So definitely get your money's worth. What was it? Six shows. You can get 32 shows for the price of six. If you went to the mall, which I think, you know, I think we know a few people who did. Yeah. Which is I crazy. Mike, I could not imagine doing all 32. I could separate. not imagine. That would be insane. And the thing that would have been no, hard. I could imagine it. My wallet couldn't imagine it. <laughs> Especially now, because they don't tour straight through anymore. Like if, you know, back in the day, they'd be, they do 32 shows. It'd be a month, month and a half. Now they're doing six shows over two weeks and then they're going home for two weeks and then they're coming back out here and doing six shows. And then like, so, and they're, you know, one, one to three nights off between shows. So, I mean, if you're going to do 32 shows, you're looking at a six month commitment easily. Yep. You'd go, you'd come back home, work for two weeks, then go back out. 
<laughs> I want to know who I want to know who you're working for if they let you do that and are they hiring? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, he's he's not hiring, but uh, my boss would totally let me do that. I feel like, but that's the perks of working at a tattoo shop. He would, yeah. He'd have to take your cards with you. Yeah. Call it a business trip. <laughs> yeah. I'm here on behalf of. Oh, I could write that off on taxes. Hey, there you go. There you go. It's that time of year, too. Well, all right. Yeah. Well, uh, I think that's going to just about do it. Thank you so much for uh, hanging out with us, Dustin. Um, we'll, uh, we'll have to shout you out in the comments or uh, in the description, your Met Club chapter and all that. Um, and, uh, Blake, did you have any other? closing statement you'd like to make um i hope the next time i see you dustin is on the rail and not over a computer screen absolutely i would no, agree thank you thank you both for having me it was great to see uh see you guys and hang out with some friends for an hour uh you know i missed you guys both i miss all of the family tremendously and we'll see everybody soon that's that's when my favorite part about doing these is just being able to talk as if you know because we'd have these conversations you know if we were at a show uh, just not in front of a microphone. So it's just being able to reminisce and kind of pass the time away until those are allowed again and safe again. So, uh, but Absolutely. until then, until then, uh, we will have this. And, uh, but again, yeah, thanks, man, for coming on. And uh, thanks, everybody, so much for listening to MFF Mondays. Be sure to check out us on Facebook and uh, we're on Spotify, the iTunes Store. Be sure to leave us a review and all that stuff, and we will see you next week on another edition of the Metalladads podcast. See you, see you!